Trigger warning. Trigger warning. If you do find this not helpful at the moment, don't feel like you have There's to There's any keep... pressure to listen yeah. whatsoever. Know that Georgia and I care about you and that we love you and that we want what's best for you. Yeah. If this podcast is not aiding you in your recovery and your mental state and how your day is going, please do not feel any pressure or need to listen to it. Yeah, just take care of yourself. Just take care of yourself. Also, Georgia and I are not professionals at all no. when it comes to Like, we're, we don't have degrees in this. No, we're not. We not. No, <laughs> no, we are just two girls who are recovering from eating disorders themselves, wanting to share our stories right. and shed some light on some topics that may be harder to talk about. There will right. also be many resources in our description box. So if there's any point during this episode, any point at all, that you feel like that you need that little bit of extra support, no, there's no judgment. There's nothing wrong with you needing that. And that feel free to use them and that we support you and that we are so proud of you. Yes. Yeah. Picture me this. I'm here. We eat the fucking food. We eat the fucking food. Love <laughs> <laughs> when he loves me. I feel like I'm floating when he calls me pretty. Obsessed. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. In five, four, three, two. Hi, okay. Georgia Peach. Hi, honey. Hi, honey girl. Hi, honey girl, girl. How you doing? I'm good. I'm yeah. good. Episode two. I'm excited. Let's go. Episode two. We this love it. happened. Oh, lots of stuff happened this past week, and I'm so excited to talk about it all. But first, can we talk about how exciting it is that this is episode two and episode the feedback two. that we got from episode one? Wow. I, wow. We've gotten so much love. So much I, love, and I'm so grateful and so happy and still on a high from literally everything that's happened revolving this too. podcast and revolving that TikTok in the past two weeks. Nothing can bring me down from that. Georgia Peach, how, wait, okay, pause again. Wow. Okay. What is even happening? I can't I don't even know. We're just this. excited. We just, that's my thing. Like, every single time we sit down to record this podcast, I We're just like, get like, and I get way too much like anxiety and way too much like my brain starts going all over the place and I'm like I can't form a sentence which is why I'm just so surprised that like I sound even remotely intellectual during these conversations <laughs> because I honestly yeah. I, I I say words and then <laughs> I don't even know what was so funny I just it was the way I just say, say words words I'm not even thinking about them. I'm in another complete alternate universe when we I are feel like this. I feel like whenever we do sit down ready to film, I have to like pull and extract all of the random facts and knowledge about my eating disorder that I have. And it gets really intimidating because I feel like I have 30,000 things I want to say yes. at once. Literally, yeah. it gets into a name where I'm like, okay, I can either go this way or that way or this other way. And I'm like, I, know. I don't know what to say, but do I have like thoughts on thoughts and thoughts about yeah. this stuff? Yeah, I have so many thoughts. Oh, There's like, a wide variety of <laughs> what we can talk spectrum. about right now. Huge spectrum of talking points. <laughs> but I guess to start those talking points, Georgia, what was your high of this week? Yes, we have to check in. Um, yes. The high of my week would probably be the high of my week. Oh, fucking Easter. I have these really, like, I have struggle moments. Whenever I have to get ready for, like, an event or the holidays are coming up or 
anything like that. And I have to put on clothes to present myself. And that looks like something other than leggings or sweatpants or shorts or t-shirts. I struggle so badly with seeing my body in nicer clothes, I guess you could say, that I... We got the bitch body dysmorphia just exactly around like, too. Yeah. Like it really doesn't, ha- like I, getting ready for things and like looking nice and presentable does not happen without a breakdown. Mm-hmm. And I'm so just like, wow, because on Easter, she didn't have a breakdown. Georgia! And a, no, stop. Wait a minute. Georgia, that's really big. It's huge because I didn't shed one tear based on the clothing that I was wearing, which has not happened. That's amazing. And I think I have to give a round of applause to TMS, which is transcranial magnetic stimulation. And it's really helping my depression. And like, we'll talk more about that, like mm-hmm. in a later episode or something yeah, about sure. like what we're doing for symptoms. But yeah, I didn't have a breakdown. And I thought that was really empowering because that's that doesn't gross. happen. That yeah. is gross. And that's body it, dysmorphia like, is so real. Like, so real. And that's like the amazing thing about recovery is like, sometimes I feel like you can just like get in like a normal habit where you're like, oh God, like everything just like seems the same. Like I haven't actually made that much of a change in like my thoughts and like how I feel about myself but then you have moments like that and it's like holy hell wait wait a second who's this girl who is this girl and you are able to reflect and realize how much work and how much you've been smacking your own ass to kick into high gear and make some do the do do the do do the do do the do because it really do be what it do it really do be what it do (laughs) No, but yeah, that happened, and I was really, I was really happy about that. Nonetheless, the Easter itself was still incredibly challenging, mm-hmm. and I think we could, we can talk about that yeah. a little bit on this episode too. But definitely, a high of the week was getting ready for that event and feeling totally okay about Heck, it. Yes, I which love was like, that for you. whoa, it was cool. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Um, what was your high of the week? My high of the week was probably around Easter too. My sister came home this weekend. And I haven't seen my sister in like a really long time. I only get to sporadically see her and she's like my best friend. So anytime I get to see Caroline, shout out Caroline. I know you're listening to this. And if you're not, you're disowned. No, I'm totally kidding. No, we're not kidding. No, if you're not listening to this, Caroline, not okay. But anytime I get to see her, it's just like always the best time. Like literally my best friend, my person. And I'm just so grateful to have her. And then also this week I got vaccinated. Yeah, you did. I did. I that's did a, get vaccinated after having that's COVID. Such... Not once, not not just once, twice. Your twice. girl had yeah. Your girl had COVID twice, so she's pretty pumped to have less of a chance of getting it for that third time. I agree. Now, yeah. was your first time compared to your second time? Which one was worse? Oh, the first time was. My thing is like I was asymptomatic pretty much both times. But when I got my vaccine yesterday, I'm not kidding. I thought I was dying. I was like, well, this is it for me. Um, I can't move my body. (laughs) It was a really actually challenging day for me, like thought wise and ED wise, because of, I think just the fact that it reminded me so much of where I was in that place when I had COVID for the first time. And the fact that I wasn't able to like really move my body and that I still had to nurture it even more than I needed to on a normal day but uh-huh. that I couldn't do the things I wanted to do and that I was feeling that disconnected from it and I couldn't tell what it actually needed but nonetheless she persisted and I woke yeah. up today and it literally was like nothing happened at all yesterday but Good. it was yeah but it was weird I'm happy to be vaccinated but yeah George what was your low of the week I know that you had talked about Easter was that also your low or did yeah yeah I'd have to say that my low was also during Easter too 
And I think it's really common for people with eating disorders going into holiday times, that being a struggle time for them, regardless of what holiday period it is. And I think for me, that looks like the amount of food that's all in one place that I find really intimidating because one of my biggest eating disorder habits or challenges is binge eating. And that's, it's scary to see food all in one place in the amount that is that it's in. And that's such a common thing, such a normal thing for holidays for it to be like buffet style. And I think why it's so challenging for me, it's because it's so triggering to think about how I used to restrict myself so much of all the foods that are in front of me. And then to look back at a past holiday and reimagine myself in the situation with an eating disorder compared to not having an eating disorder, the same emotions are coming up for me. Yeah. Even though I'm not in my behaviors, I'm still experiencing this anxiety and this initial fear. So it's it was hard this week and Easter did lead me into binging. And I think that might've been because throughout the week, leading up to Easter, maybe I had been subconsciously restricting a little bit, which I'm going to own up to and take accountability. And I'm being self-compassionate in that at the same time, which is hard to hold that dialectic because binging brings on so much shame and so much guilt for me. I'd say just like navigating through coming down from a binge is always really difficult. So that's the low of the week, just kind of like getting my binge mindset out and getting back into the routine of a meal plan. I mean, honestly, I think that my low of the week would actually have to be a little bit similar. I found myself mentally preparing for events that are coming up. I always catch myself being very, very rigid and very, very cognitive of the foods I'm eating. And I know that if I continue to engage in that such like behavior, all I'm doing is like reinforcing those old patterns and those old habits that I have been working so hard to take out of my life and to rewrite that like narrative and that yeah. it's not going to be helpful but like nonetheless like it is still challenging because your body remembers all of those old times and I think that's also what happened to me yesterday when it came to feeling that disconnected within my body that I was just thrown back to a time when I felt extremely extremely disconnected from my body when I was in the depths of my disorder and my behaviors mm-hmm. and it is really triggering and kind of an uncharted territory because your mind can be completely in one narrative, but your body can still be reacting to those old emotions, those old feelings. And that is extremely challenging and weird to navigate. It's very, very weird to navigate. It is. It's really uncomfortable. That also, I think, is the thing that went well recovery-wise this week for me was yesterday, even though I felt so disconnected from my body, I still followed my meal plan. I nourished it. Good for I you. gave it the love and compassion that it deserved and that it needed. And it can be extremely challenging when my body was telling me like, oh, I'm nauseous. Oh, I don't feel good. And I think that is a win for me in recovery because I know in the past I've used that as an excuse to not follow my meal plan or to not nourish my body. And I shared this last week. I've dealt with the need to have some sort of like compensatory relationship with uh-huh. food. And that is extremely hard when it brings up a day of like when I'm sick and I'm not able to move my body and my body just wants to rest all day. And I have to respect that that's what it wants. Treating myself with kindness, self-compassion, baby. And that was my win in recovery this week. Yeah. Georgia, what was your win recovery this week? Probably like trickling into those last couple of days of navigating through getting back onto the meal plan after having found myself being in a binge. I'm proud of myself for being able to bounce back from being in a binge instead of going straight to, okay, let's restrict 
trick to compensate for all the days that we did and then repeat cycle. Yeah, I'm yeah. just proud of myself for coming out of that and being self-compassionate at the same time, regardless of how much guilt or how much shame has come up during it. Because I do know that at this point, it's not out of malice that I'm doing this to myself. Mm -hmm. It's not out of depression that I'm doing this. It's more so just like my bodily reactions to this patterned way of eating that I have done for a very long time. So mm -hmm. even though I'm in my second year of recovery, it still doesn't look fantastic. I think that's another point to bring up is how unperfect, like being a recovered person looks. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a core belief that I had to debunk for a while, just thinking that like, if I were to get rid of my eating disorder, then everything would be pish posh, perfect and happy. And it's just not, which sucks because it's, it's hard. Like, that's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're like, all I want is to have a normal relationship with food. The amount of times where I would literally yeah. just like scream that Stop. at residential, be like, can I just be normal? I just want to be normal. But like, also what is it. normal? Who knows? Okay, so we're going to be vulnerable right now. Georgia and I filmed a whole entire two-hour, basically long episode of us talking about our stories. and We trauma-dumped. We trauma-dumped. We did. So we decided that we weren't going to do that to you guys. Cut that That's out. a little triggering. Yeah, so we cut, we scrapped that episode, but we still do think it's important for you guys to have some sort of idea about our experience with eating disorders so yeah I just I think, think it's important for people in general to have an idea of the current eating disorder diagnosis that we have so that we're going to be able to talk purely on experience mm -hmm. like just for almost like a precursor yeah we're not just about. talking out of like oh well we've been around people that have experienced this like we're not going this to disorder be, right yes we're not going to be speaking on any of the sort of diagnoses that we do do not have ourselves because that would right. not be it wouldn't be realistic it wouldn't be realistic it wouldn't be appropriate for us to talk about that yeah but yeah so I right now am currently recovering from anorexia and orthorexia I was diagnosed with both in January of 2019 so I have been recovering since then but I have been recovering for myself since this past fall when I went into residential. I had been to other treatment facilities within that year before, but that was more for the people in my life and external reasons, not as much for myself. But right now I am recovering for me, for Lauren, for future Lauren. And how good and does that feel to like fantastic. actually actively be covering based on your decision? It feels fantastic. It yeah. feels empowering. It feels freeing. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. What about you? Yeah. My eating habits are fucked. Yes, yeah. You're <laughs> preaching, preaching to the choir, sis. So it's actually, I feel like it's a good comparison to make like when you're talking about when you first started going into treatment and it wasn't for yourself. And then when you were actively starting to be in recovery, yeah. it's almost like my eating disorder started without me even knowing it. An incident happened when I was younger and to comfort myself afterwards, I began to binge eat. And that was at five years old. So I mean, subconsciously I'm comforting myself through binge eating. So mm -hmm. it really did all start with binge eating disorder. Um, and then with the weight gain that happened as a child, the bullying happened and I was like, I want to go on a diet. So the restricting pattern started to happen. I, it turned, it went from binge eating to restricting and now it's bulimia. So Bulimia was really my number one diagnosis um, because it was the behavior consciously in the eating disorder that I struggled with for so long. I, you could say binging is the behavior that I've struggled with for the longest, but that goes into some sub subconscious um, things.
was because I wasn't aware of it when I was a kid, but yeah. like it's, I mean, it was all over the place. And mm -hmm. for the past two years, I've been struggling again with uh, purely binge eating disorder and uh, restrictive behavior. Mm -hmm. um, for Can the I ask you a question? Yeah. yeah. Did you feel any sense of different treatment in each different diagnosis that you had? That's a good question. I can't say that at my first treatment place that I experienced eating disorder help. I think the first place that I went to was more so just like behavioral mental health, which was good because they had eating disorder people there. Um, but I can't say that they were quite educated on the different diagnoses. I think it was more so just like you're an anorexic, you're a bulimic, and then yeah. you're kind of just this average person who kind of has all of these things. Um, so you're kind of, it's almost like the stigma goes into a little bit where it's like, well, you're clearly anorexic, you're clearly bulimic, you're clearly a binge eater, and then you guys over here with Arfred and Osfed are not going to get as much attention because you need to figure out what you're struggling with almost. Yeah. Like that's kind of how it feels. Which is terrible. The fact that there is a sense of like comparison and a sense of hierarchy almost throughout the- This is true. There is yeah. a hierarchy. There is a hierarchy. When it comes to like worth- in the struggle and like in mm -hmm. your sickness and, and in treatment and yeah. which is wrong it is just wrong that that and is a thing from complete experience i can absolutely kind of back that up almost with having been in so many different bodies um through my eating disorders when i was anorexic i was treated like i really needed help like i really really needed to get better but when i was bulimic and in a quote average body i was there okay. didn't seem to be that much of like right. a concern i was okay even though my you labs were fucked i i was sick as shit but i was in an average looking body mm. so it wasn't as bad you know and then like take take me now within the past couple of years in the larger body that I'm in because of the eating disorder. Being a binge eater is so, like, there's not one way to put it, but you are so looked past almost. And it's not even an active effort upon, like, the staff members or an active effort upon the people around you. It's just the stigma behind it that it's so normalized and ingrained in our brains that we're just someone with a binge eating disorder is just not as sick. And that is so incorrect, extremely, right. extremely incorrect. And that's what frustrates me so much about that. If you look a certain way or there's a, that there's certain even like looks to the behaviors, like right. that is so wrong. Like somebody can have the same exact diagnosis that I have and look completely different than me because 100%. we are different people, but we could be both experiencing these same exact symptoms and the exactly. same exact behaviors, but also they could be looking completely different. Like every single case is so individualized and so personal that the fact yeah. that they're even looked at within subcategories that have looks to them and that that's even yeah. the terminology behind it is so outdated and so I know. wrong and I am so sorry that you experienced that sense of stigmatism and that sense of discrimination within recovery and within the healthcare the system, healthcare system yeah. to get help and a deservingness and worthiness of getting help and if you are listening to this and you have felt that way at all when reaching out for treatment or reaching out for help I want you to know that George and I empathize with you and that we are yeah. so extremely sorry that yeah you experience that because that is something that nobody should experience. That should not even be a concern when reaching out and wanting help is if yeah. you're going to be getting it.
but yeah, like, I, th- I just think in general, like this whole idea of finding worth in the body that you're in when it comes to the treatment too, um, mm-hmm. is yeah, a very skewed standpoint on society and basically how other people perceive you. Like how fucking unfortunate is that? It's just unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And I think that just goes into like how differently each, like we were talking about how individualized each person's disorder is. And I think that's also like in the treatment world, a very common thing is how different everybody's diagnosis is going to look like. If Lauren's struggling with anorexia, me struggling with anorexia, I've been purged in the past. Like if both of us had the same diagnosis, like you were saying earlier, we're still going to look different. And that almost makes me think of the one quote, even if we all ate the exact same thing and exercised the exact same way, our bodies would still look different. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. And I think what's also so hard about that specifically in the eating disorder community and like the recovery community is that eating disorders are so strongly rooted in comparison. Mm -hmm. So the fact that while they're already so strongly rooted in comparison and that there's stigmas on top of that just fuel that aspect of it. Yeah. I am thankful that we are at a point in our recovery where we are able to look at the flaws within the system and look at the flaws where like we may have. It's like where like, we might have succumbed to the ideas. Beautiful. Of, yes, yeah. of those stigmatisms and of those ideas of this is what you need to look like to be considered anorexic. This is the criteria right. for being like bulimic, like that we may have one point believed that and thought that, but we are now at a point where we are able to look at that and be like, mm, that's, that's not, not okay. true. Yeah. That's not true at all and not okay to be putting people in boxes. And slapping a label on them. And slapping yeah. a label on them. I'm so grateful to be able to not project those ideas onto myself anymore. And I'm sure you can relate to that. It makes me honestly at this point uncomfortable to think about but like that's where your mind is at at because, that time yeah, when you are struggling at the time right because at the time I truly believed that it was deserved or that mm-hmm. it was warranted and that's depression and that's the trauma that coincides with the eating disorder because so, it's not about the food no it's it never not was. about the food Under- and that I think that really brings us to why we recovered so I think my question for you would be like what's your big why like when you did realize that like it wasn't about the food in general like what was the reason for you to be like, I'm done with this? Like, what was your... So I can definitely say that in the beginning, when I first went to PHP a year ago, it was for my parents. It was for them taking comfort in that I was okay. I was doing it for that sole reason. I can be honest and accountable and say that I went to treatment to become a functioning anorexic because I didn't think that I could. I didn't think that it was an option. I thought that I had had this distorted view on my body for such a long time that this was just normal for me. It just couldn't go away. No, I had given so much time and energy and effort into these thoughts and they were thoughts that were just like daily all the time that I was like, where, if I don't have these thoughts, I'm not gonna have any thoughts. So that's not possible I totally relate. Yeah, so I can say that I did go for my parents, but I think that my really big turnaround was I was sitting one day in my bedroom, just thinking to myself, you know, pondering life, thinking about my future, where I was going, what I was doing. 
And I realized that I was so bored. How bored were you? I was so bored. I was so <laughs> bored that I was like, um, I think I've had this disorder for long enough. Um, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of tired of having it. I'm kind of yeah. I'm tired of this being my day. I'm tired of having these be my thoughts. I'm just, I'm really bored and I need to change in my life right now. Hold yes. up, hold up. I mean, just throwing it out there, Lauren. Maybe we recover. Picture Maybe. me this. Hey, picture me this. <laughs> I recover. And like, oh. as much as I like hate to say that that's really was like my first genuine thought and want for recovery. It was, yeah. it was out of boredom. And I'm thankful that I reached that low of a low and that boredom of a boredom that I had in my life. But quickly after realizing that I had a conversation with one of my friends who is also a performer in Chicago. And she kind of threw out this idea about having full moments. And that just small sentence right there, small saying, I was like, hold up, that's it. Like, yeah. that's what I want. And I'm not saying full in the sense of like, oh, physically I want to Physically full, yeah. Full. Like, I want to eat. I mean, it works both ways. But full- Explain it, yeah. Full in the sense that I want to be living in these present, genuine, authentic moments and be fully there. And I know that I can't be fully yeah. there if I am- engaging in any sort of behaviors or have a distorted view on my relationship with food or my body, I'm not going to be actively Preach. there in life. I right. had a lot of time this fall to genuinely think about when I am 80 years old, what are the memories that I'm going to want to have? What mm -hmm. is the life that I lived going to look like if I continue yeah. to live this way that I've been living for the past two years? And I was like, oh, God, no. Like, I did not want to be 80 years old looking back at all my memories. And while I have these great fond memories from the past two years, every single memory that I have is also met with one from the disorder. Mm -hmm. I am not living in full moments. I'm living in, dare I say, maybe half moments. Right. I'm living with two memories of the exact same event. And that is not fair for me. And that no. is not fair for my life. Life goes by so fast. It does. And the thought that I was not going to be experiencing it. Or the fact that it would be tied with two thoughts. I did not want to look back at that. Like, no. I did not want to be that 80-year-old sitting wherever I'm sitting when I'm 80 and having that be my life. I didn't want that for myself. And I feel like having that mantra and having that saying a full moment is really what just kept bringing me back in my deepest, darkest days in recovery. And in when I thought that, yeah, no, this isn't for me. Yeah, no, I can't do it. When right. the restoration started getting a little bit harder, when my meal plan got just that much bigger and I was like, this is all becoming too much, just being able to think about myself when I'm 80 think about my future and Lauren when she's even like, dare I say like 40 or 50, like I want to be able to be with my family someday with my sister yes. out going on hikes, out having adventures and out being able to be fully presently there. And I can't have that if I'm still engaging in my disorder and my behavior. Correct. What about you? Like why, what is your why? What is your mantra? What is Georgia's reason to recover? So very similar to your beginning. I was first put into treatment when I was 14. My parents did it and I was in total denial. I was like, I don't have an eating disorder. What I'm doing is quote, a good thing. Like I was totally in denial, totally in my little head. Not until I was 18 did I realize that something needed to be changed. I remember being at Aloria, that's a residential in Milwaukee. They closed recently, but 
I remember being there and I was in a very different body than I was in today. I was, I was in my sick body. I was in a very low place in my life. You know, like 14 year old me thought, when we get to this place, you're going to be a fucking rock star. You're going to be so happy. Life is going to be fantastic. You're going to be great. No, no. I, that, that wasn't I actually what it was. Go to the bathroom. bathroom. Like, I couldn't. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Can we talk about the yeah. fact that you lose your bathroom privileges? If that's a reason in itself to recover. You have to get flush checked. Yeah, and you don't. You don't realize the- How uncomfortable. How uncomfortable. Oh, you yeah. You don't realize how much of a privilege it is to just be able to flush a toilet until right. you have not. It's a lot. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. We'll talk about like privileges too and like oh my God, a day yeah. in inpatient or a day in res or a day yeah. in PHP. Like we'll talk about the differences in privileges too because boy, do they change. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I remember being at my lowest weight and being so fucking miserable and being like, well, this was not the plan. This was not what we thought was going to happen. I genuinely thought when I got to that place in my life that I was just going to magically be able to see it and that, you know, I was just going to be pish posh, happy, perfect, but it was so far from that. I was in this body that I thought I would deem acceptable and it just totally wasn't. Um, And I remember seeing a quote that same day, like, stop thinking that you can hate yourself into the best version of yourself. And I was like, how can I hate myself into the best version of myself? That doesn't work. And I think the final pivot point was getting so sick from being bulimic and realizing the exhaustion that it's taken from me. And then with the physical things that I was experiencing, I started thinking about the fact that I didn't graduate school or the fact that I couldn't keep a job. So I think those things just started to really add up. You know, there was a point in my life where I wasn't really able to see five years into my future. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is not it. It's just not it. I wanted to have a bowl of ice cream normally without binging on it or not eating it. I was exhausted and I felt too manipulated by myself. I didn't trust myself. My body didn't trust myself. I was over it. And that brings me into my mantra. One girl I was in treatment with, and this was before I decided to recover for myself, but it really kind of kickstarted me into a more positive mindset was dream today, tomorrow do. So just figure out how to put things into action. Think about what you're going to do today and put it into action tomorrow. I love that. Yeah. Even if I didn't do tomorrow what I said I was going to dream today, I can still wake up the next morning and say, okay, dream today, tomorrow do. We're going to, you know, like just like wake up with the same attitude and okay, plan again today. Keep planning and do it tomorrow. If I don't, then I can dream again today. Yeah, I think this episode was really good. We talked about I'm glad we incredibly important things. Yeah. Yeah. And on the idea of mantras, I think going into this weekend, it would be a good idea to kind of have a mantra to stick with you. Do you have a mantra in mind? I think I want to take in with me just the word gratitude. I want to go into this weekend being grateful that I have the opportunity to spend time with my friends and that I am having the opportunity to be as present as I can be because I know that Lauren a year ago would not be able to be as engaged. So I think just to really practice gratitude this weekend for my recovery and what it has given me. Yeah. Yeah. What's your mantra for this weekend, Georgia Peach? I'm going to take 
into the weekend with me. I'm going to take the mantra forward, move forward, probably. I love that. Because I, I still need to kind of gather myself coming out of a little bit of a binge episode. So I think move forward, persevere. I just kind of want to have that like motivation to push me through um, this weekend and just keep going forward. Well, thank you all for listening to uh, our second number episode. Two. Number two, next week, we're going to have our first guest star, and I am so excited. Please do not hesitate to reach out to Georgia and I on any of our social media. Know that we love you and that we care about you. And Georgia, we ate the fucking food. We ate that fucking food. All right. See you guys next week. Bye. Goodbye.